Good morning, West Bowles. You know, it, it, when you stand here and, and John's running that thing, the, the uh, pulpit vibrates. <laughs> kind of cool. I don't know why you would want to know that. So, of course, uh, we're in this series on numbers, and uh, Thomas has explained uh, that it's not about the book of numbers or just numerology, but it's about um, specific statements in the scripture that are referenced by a number. And the one we've chosen today, or that I've chosen today, is 1558. I've never been very good at coloring in the lines, so I'm going to have to tell you um, that you're not going to get to that verse until the end of the sermon, rather than the beginning. So, sorry about that. In in, uh, honor of the the numbers series, though, um, I have a little quiz for you. So I'm going to give you three numbers, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Here's the numbers. You, You don't even need to see these on the screen, because you can remember three numbers, I'm pretty sure. 93, 66, and 23. 93, 66, and 23. Now, um, one of those numbers, and here's the quiz, but if you know the answer, don't shout it out because you'll lose your prize. One of those numbers is my age. (laughs) Now, just think about that for a minute. And if you're thinking 23, then uh, I'd like, I'm going to buy you a donut. And then I'm going to buy you a bag of carrots so that we can help, help your eyes because I'm not 23. And if you're thinking 93, you owe me a donut. <laughs> but this year I turned um, 66, and so um, that's, that's my age. And two of those numbers, 66 and 23, um, 23 is the number of years that I've been here. I came in 1993 on the staff of this church full-time. And so um, our family, my wife and I, have been here for 23 years, and uh, it's been my honor and my privilege to serve you during that time. Um, Those two numbers, those 66 and 23, have occasioned me to, um, to evaluate where I am in my life. 66 is kind of a milestone. That's about retirement age for most people. And 23 years is a long time for you to have to put up with me. And so I've had to think about um, my role going forward in this church. And I knew in my heart that it was time for some changes. You know, one of the things that that you do not want to happen in your life is for somebody to have to come and say to you, you know, uh, the game has passed you by. And you're getting a little up there. And so it's time for you to think about stepping back. You want to do that yourself. You want to be ahead of that curve. And so I've had to think about that. And for, um, for the most of this year, I've been thinking about um, a, a different role going forward in this church. I've spoken with my wife, and I've spoken with Thomas, and I've spoken with the elders. And I was um, close to saying, well, this is time. In fact, it seemed to, to me appropriate to say this is the time for me to, to step out, to retire, and um, to move on. And uh, as we discussed that with the elders, they were kind, and Thomas, Thomas has been so generous to me, this guy is just so kind. Um, They said, well, listen, rather than just right off into the sunset, would you consider um, a modified role here where you step back a little bit? And so um, that sounded okay to me. Um, Part of of it was that I'm not as young as I used to be, and part of it was um, that um, I knew that I had to uh, rein in my exaggerated sense of responsibility and stop taking personally every time a light bulb goes out or a toilet won't flush or a pipe breaks or the roof leaks or the alarm goes off. And so um, 
and nobody imposed that on me. I imposed that on myself. That's just, um, that is really an, an exaggerated sense of self-importance that I have to address every problem in the church. And so I had to get over that, and the only way to get over that was to step back a little bit. And so they've been kind enough to say to me, um, and I worry about their wisdom in this, that they would like me in an advisory role in the church and a little bit less hands-on. So that's the way forward uh, for me. That also gives me the opportunity to say to you, and uh, this was um, the most important thing I want to say to you this morning, so I, I don't care if you listen to anything else, just listen to this one. Thank you. This, this really has been a 23-year wild ride, I'm telling you. It has been up and down in this church. It's, the, it's amazing. I'm going to talk about that a little bit in a few minutes. So thank you for the wild ride. Thank you for entrusting me with responsibilities that were often over my head, that I was always in too deep and uh, had to rely on other people to help, had to often cry out to the Lord for wisdom and for strength to make it through. And thank you for allowing me to exercise my modest gifts uh, in an unconventional role. When I came to this church, uh, there were four people on staff that were just very talented in ministry. And they were running at 100 miles an hour all of the time. And they, were, uh, they had great vision. They had excitement for where the church was going, and the church was growing quickly. And uh, they realized that they needed somehow to um, create some, some stability, some structure, some systems in the church, or they were going to get ahead of themselves. So, uh, it's kind of like comparing them to the Starship Enterprise, where, you know, they were just going warp speed across the galaxy, but they didn't have anybody down in engineering. So they needed uh, somebody to be Scotty for them. So they called me up and asked me if I would come and help them with those kinds of things. And they created a role for me. Um, they called it um, Facility Office and grounds. And so that was, you know, of course, broad enough to encompass everything. Um, one of my friends, Kurt Love, uh, immediately seized on that and said, oh, you'll be the fog man at the church, F-O-G. And um, that's, for a, a lot of time I was in the fog, and there was a lot of fog to sort through. Um, but that's, uh, that was the kind of role that I was called to here. And um, you've been gracious enough to allow me to do other things, but those are the things where my heart is and where I feel that God has called me and uh, where he's gifted me. So in any case, thank you. I, I could very easily uh, create a list of individuals. I think it's kind of lame to say thank you to a whole group of people and when I could thank individuals. But if I started, I don't know where I would stop. So um, <clears throat> thank you to all of you. But I, I do have to say thank you to one person, Lisa Beatty. That's my dear wife, and um, I will tell you, her life would have been chaotic if I was a dog catcher, but um, it takes a special person to stand by somebody that's, um, in the, that's called to work in a church, and she has been my compass, and uh, my comfort, and my conscience sometimes, and my rock, so thank you. Okay, that's enough blubbering, so... Um, let's let's uh, pray. I'm, I'm going to uh, point out to you this morning um, some, some challenges that we faced as a church. 
And then some, um, some settled convictions that I've come to about this church over 23 years, using Psalm 31 through 34. Um, and then I want to challenge you with a, a couple of thoughts. So let's pray together. Father, um, we didn't come here to listen to me. We didn't come here uh, just, to, um, just to spend time together, but we came here to honor you to hear from you, and we pray that um, you will honor your word this morning, and that you will speak into our hearts, and that you will move us closer to what you called us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the late 1980s, I was working at the Riverside Baptist Church. I was coming close to a um, 20-year time of service there, just about at the end of that. And um, uh, a good friend of mine, Bob McPherson, who was the first pastor I ever worked for, called me up and he said, uh, I'd like to come see you. I said, I said okay, well, sure. Um, I had, Bob had been my pastor for about 20 years and I'd worked for him for 15 of those years. He retired in 1986. And um, he had gone out to, um, um, out in the boonies in uh, Jefferson County, Southwest Jefferson County, to help work with a, a small church the Family of Faith Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I don't know if you realize it, but that was the name of this church until they changed it to the West Bowles Community Church. And so um, he was trying to help them get a building built on this property. And he said that he'd like to come and uh, kind of show me the plans and see what I thought. Well, that kind of made me scratch my head because that guy didn't need any advice from me. Um, he was way the smartest man that I had ever known and uh, had done incredible things in churches. And I realized that he really was coming for a different reason. Um, at, at Riverside, we had reconfigured some seating and we had some leftover pews and leftover theater seats. And um, uh, he was going to ask us to, if we would donate to those to the Family of Faith Church. So that was really his motive in coming. But um, he came out and he showed me kind of the plans for the church and what they were doing. And at the end of the conversation, he said something to me that um, was just remarkable and to hear from him. And something that stuck with me, caught my attention. He said, everything is so hard with this little church. Well, this was a guy who would build huge churches in Texas and in Denver, um, who had built a, he built a church on uh, the Platte River Drive, and in 1965, when the flood came and uh, it wiped out his church, and he rebuilt it, he put, he put together deals um, for land up on Diamond Hill for the, the current um, location of the Riverside Baptist Church. He had been the guy that could always figure out anything, and he said, this little church is just so hard. And I, I, I came to understand and to believe that what he really was saying was, everything is harder than it should be. Everything at the West Bowles Community Church that he was trying to help them get up out of the ground was harder than it should be. And that just made, reminded me, and it makes me think about the fact that it is hard. The church work is hard um, because we are opposed in this world. It's not just um, a benign group of people coming together to do good things in a community and bless a community. We are on the cutting edge of a spiritual war. 
and we are opposed in this world, and it's always going to be hard. A few years later, when I, I joined the staff of this church, um, I began to kind of understand what Brother Bob was talking about. Um, from 1993 to 2003, the, the church was um, growing rapidly, about 10% per year. Um, and it was in this period that we built most of the present facility that we have here now. And every step forward was accompanied by a major challenge. And I'm not saying just a problem or two to solve, but a major challenge that threatened to shut us down. I wanna, I'll just share a, a few examples with you. Um, when we uh, first moved in this building, when, when they secured the land for this building, they secured four acres. And that four acres housed a small house, or had a small house on it, that's our office right now. And so they um, purchased that land and they built the, what's now the chapel and uh, the parking lot, and that four acres was, um, it was a great start. But they had visions for something bigger. A man in the church had assembled 13 acres just to the west of those four acres. So if you can imagine that those four acres kind of end where the side, where the steps outside here, um, the bottom of those steps is about where those four acres ended. And a man had assembled 13 acres just to the west, and he was gonna develop that with housing um, but in the 1980s, uh, there was a lot of, of turmoil uh, economically and financially, and so his plans just didn't work out. And he came to the church and said, I'll sell you this land for what I have in it. I think it was like $300,000 or something at the time. It was a, very, a really good deal for the church, although it was really tough for us to come up with that kind of cash. But we made a deal with that man, and we bought the 13 acres and um, had a, a great vision for what might be built on those 13 acres. In fact, you're sitting in that vision right now. But we, we ran into a problem. We went to, um, to apply for a water tap and a, and a sewer tap on uh, this building. And this was before it was built. And we found out that the four acres and the 13 acres were in two different water districts. Well, big deal, right? So you get water from one? No, <laughs> it was a big deal. It was a, it was a shutdown deal. It was the kind of thing where we weren't gonna be able to build this building unless we resolved that issue. And it was way beyond anything that we could figure out. It was such a, a difficult problem that we found out that um, four different government agencies had to agree with one another to allow us to get water and sewer for this building. Now, if you've ever had to deal with a county or a city or a building department, you know just getting one person to agree with you is, uh, is, is a challenge. Four different agencies. And by God's grace, God showed up in that problem and they agreed. And, and so we got our water tap and we got our sewer connection and we were on our way. One of the people that helped us with that um, I remember talking with her afterwards. She was somebody that, that had a lot of um, um, experience in, in local governments. And she said, you know, this just doesn't happen. You just don't get four different agencies to agree with one another. But we did. We did because God showed up. And so we made it through that challenge. Um, and we were on our way. We uh, had engaged the services of a contractor to build this building. We had a, um, 
a uh, groundbreaking ceremony um, right out here. And everybody was excited and enthused. And about a week after that groundbreaking ceremony, the contractor came to us and said, um, I made a big mistake. I underbid this by a huge amount of money. And we can't do it for the amount that we agreed on. Well, we couldn't do it for the amount that he wanted, he was going to have to have extra. It was a big number. And so we were stuck. The contractor wasn't going to be able to build the building. He was going to back out. A man in the church had just finished building an office complex, and he had a great relationship with the contractor. And his contractor had done a good job, and he said, he came to us and he said, I don't know if this guy will take you on, but I'll talk to him. He talked to his contractor. The contractor came and met with us and looked at the plans, and he said, I'll do it, and I'll do it for your original number. Again, just doesn't happen. The problem was insurmountable, but God showed up, and he got us through. The third problem that we uh, encountered in the, in the process of building this building um, came with our financing. We had um, put together the financing for... Uh, the construction loan for the building and we were doing well and we knew that we were going to have to come back to our lender and ask for more as the project um, came close to a close and so we were on our way we our, our this this thing was up out of the ground it was impressive it was beautiful there was a lot of concrete and um, uh, we went to the to the lender and we said we're ready to uh, put our permanent financing in place and we're going to need so much extra money we got a little bit of a tepid response. So we pursued it and we said, well, is there a problem? And is there something wrong with our numbers, with our attendance and our income and those kinds of things that, that lending institutions look at when they're deciding whether they're gonna loan you money? And there was no problem. We were, we were fine, we were good. And we were assured that um, you know, we were gonna qualify for the extra money that we needed. So they said to us, look, uh, get all of your paperwork gathered, get it in by such and such a date, and then within a few weeks after that, on such and such a date, we will uh, we'll come back to you and we'll approve your, your loan. So we got all our stuff together, we submitted it, it was all in order, our numbers looked good. On the very day, the very day that that financial institution was to approve our extra loan, the SEC, the Insurance the Securities and Exchange Commission came into their office in Texas and closed their building down, padlocked it. Well, our original loan was okay, but our extended loan was shot. We, didn't, we weren't going to get a nickel from them. They, they went out of business. What do you do? You got a building that's coming up and now you can't complete it. And if there's anything that's tragic and sad to think about, it's a, a church that started to get built and then stopped. Well, one of the guys that worked for that financial institution went to um, a bank in California, the Bank of the West, and he was being groomed to be the new uh, vice president of religious um, financing. And so um, he called us up and he said, you know, I'm, I'm leaving this one, I'm going to this one, I don't know if they'll help you, but I'll, I'll plead your case. So he did, and then he brought out his boss, who he was going to replace, and um, I, rem I remember this so vividly. We, we sat down in the, uh, in the office, which at that time was a lot rougher than it is now. 
and um, at, a, at a folding table, a round folding table with these two executives from a, a big bank. And we started talking with them. We showed them what we had built and showed them the plans that we had and told them about what we were gonna need. And um, that, the, the guy that was the head of the department that was about to be replaced, he was an, uh, an older man, um, said, well, you know, uh, the bank is pretty careful about numbers. And your numbers look pretty good, but they're just really on the margins. So, you know, we don't know. And he talked with, um, he began talking more with uh, a guy on our uh, elder board named Hank Brumley. And Hank and this guy just resonated. They could have been talking Swahili as far as I was concerned, because I couldn't follow anything that they were saying. But somehow they were communicating really effectively. And at the end of the day, that guy said, Hey, your numbers aren't great, but you know what? There's something going on here, and I believe in you guys. He said, I'm going to go back to California, and I'm going to recommend that we take your loan and that we get you the extra money that you need. God showed up. God supplied. God made sure that we would continue. In um, about 2005, after we had moved into this building and we'd actually completed the gathering place and we were basically done with all the building that we would do in this area. Uh, it, it, we've built a, 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 as much as you can build on this parcel of land that we have. Um, we faced another crisis. This one was a crisis of leadership. We had two pastors that had been the champions of this church that had been basically with us from the beginning who had um, uh, provided vision and energy and helped build the church. And within uh, the space of a year, they both went down. One of them was diagnosed with PTSD after he had watched a, a movie about the Vietnam War and he had been a helicopter pilot in the Vietnam War, George Kirsten. And it completely took him down. It completely altered his personality. And he was with us for a while longer, but he was never the same guy. And about the same time, um, Dave McPherson was struggling with um, the fact that we had built everything we could build. He was the kind of guy that always wanted to be building and moving ahead. And that uh, was pretty much the end of the road for what we could do here to develop this, this site. And he was struggling with uh, just the, um, the, the, the trials that come with um, leading a church. And he was burned out. And his personal life was, um, was suffering. And when, in a short time, we lost both of those guys. And we looked around at ourselves and we said, who's going to leave this place? There wasn't anybody. It was at that time that two groups of people stepped up. One was the staff and one was the elders. The staff, most of whom are still here now, should have been running for cover. They should have been saying, you know what, it looks like we're in trouble. We better go find a job somewhere because this place may not make it. And they said, no, we're staying. We're staying to see what God's going to do in this place. You know, they stuck even though some of them, sometimes we had to take pay cuts. They stuck even though their friends, many of their friends left and some of the people they, they counted on as volunteers left. They stayed. And because they stayed, we're here today. But it was also about that time that um, God supplied us some uh, remarkable elders. 
We've always had good elders at this church, and you elect elders to serve. And elders serve uh, for no pay. They, they take the responsibility of the church on their shoulders. Uh, they work pretty much um, behind the scenes, and they deal with big, hard issues all the time. Um, and they just work their way through it to, 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 take, to make sure that the church is going to make it, that we're going to be healthy, that we're going to make good decisions. In about 2005 and 2006 and 2004, 5 and 6, we found God supplied us with some extraordinary elders. And those guys, along with the staff, were not going to let this church fail. And they stepped up and they made sure that we would continue. Now, we didn't know, but God was also speaking into the heart of a young guy down in Albuquerque, New Mexico in those years who uh, um, went on to campus ministry in California. And he was guiding him into the ministry to be a pastor of a church. And um, later, um, God brought that guy to us. And Thomas came to become our leader of this church. And so God has provided leadership. So every time we saw, thought, Things were just going down, that we weren't going to make it. God showed up. God pulled us through. And that leads me to the four uh, convictions settled in my heart that um, I've come to over 23 years here. They come out of Psalm 31, 32, 33, and 34, but not necessarily in that order. So here's what I want to say to you. God has established us. You know, it was on the screen um, while we were singing Psalm 33. Um, talks about the, the sovereign God who accomplishes his purposes and that um, his plans stand. Psalm 33 says words like this. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. And the purposes of his heart through all generations. So God decides what will stand and what will not stand. And God decided that this church would stand. That chapter ends with this, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our shield and our help. In him our hearts rejoice. We trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, as we put our hope in you. God established this church. He established this church when there was nothing here. Uh, I was just talking to somebody this morning about um, uh, the history of this little area. The bowls, as a paved road, stopped at Kipling in the 1980s and 90s. And it was a dirt road out here. And the, the, last thing, uh, the last thing here was the little house that's now our office. And there was nothing between us and, and C-470. And as far as we knew, there was no plan for there to be um, an exit ramp off of, uh, off of C-470 at Bowles. And so we, this was kind of the, this was really the, the Thule's. This was the, the end of the line of Bowles. But we saw what happened. The interchange was developed. Um, things grew around us. There's a school. There's a Walmart. There's 
housing, there's all kinds of development around us. And God put his finger on this spot and said, there'll be a church right here. We didn't know it would be a big, white, beautiful building that looks like a castle. We didn't know um, half of what God would do or even a portion of it. But God established us here. God and God's plans stand. Secondly, God leads us. When you look at um, Psalm 32, you realize that it's um, somewhat of a confession. It's from David. And David says, you know, a man is blessed when he's forgiven. A man that, that uh, has transgressed, that's fallen away, that's um, disobeyed the Lord, when he finally is able to, um, to experience God's forgiveness, he's blessed. And then he goes on to say um, that God is, um, is somebody that can be found, but we need to search for him. And he says in verse 8 these words, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Isn't that a great word? That God will guide us, and that he guides us almost with his eye. You know, uh, mothers in this, uh, in this congregation know how you guide children with your eyes. Just with a look, you can tell your child they're out of line, or you can tell your child you approve, or you can tell your child that you love them. And God says, I'll instruct you and I'll teach you in the way that you should go. God has guided us constantly in this place. The third thing I want to say to you is that God holds us. Psalm 31 is something of a, of a psalm of lament. Again, it's from David. And he talks about um, just being down, being uh, uh, depressed, feeling like people have turned their backs on him, feeling like um, uh, his life is really not worth much. And he says, uh, he comes to this place in um, Psalm 31, verse 14, and he says this, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. My times are in your hand. So God holds us in his hand. We're not at the, the, the mercy of just chance. We're not at the, the mercy of uh, people. Our lives are not just random um, uh, collections of events. God holds us in his hand. And not just individually, but we as a church. He holds in his hand. And finally, I want you to hear me say that God will keep us. Psalm 34 is an affirmation of praise to God for uh, his goodness and his love. And it ends with this, or not ends, but close to the end. David says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Those verses apply to us. We had a lot of afflictions. We had a lot of troubles. We had a lot of opposition. There were many times when we cried out to the Lord and said, we don't know what to do. We can't handle this. We don't have any answers. Lord, what are you going to do? And the Lord always showed up. 
So if I could just um, uh, summarize those four convictions, it would be this statement. The God who's established us is the God who guides us. He is the God who holds us. He is the God who will keep us. Based on those four convictions, I want to just leave you with three admonitions. The first is the admonition to persevere. In Hebrews 10, we read these words, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. Persevere. Keep on. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't let any opposition scare you. Don't let any threats from the the enemy make you turn away. But persevere knowing that God is using you to accomplish his purpose in this world and that there is a great reward at the end. So first of all, persevere. Second, I would say to you, never lose heart. When you read uh, the second Uh, the fourth chapter of the second book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4. You hear Paul talking about um, how how many times they were troubled, how um, they held the treasure of God in in, um, jars of clay that were fragile, that could be broken, how that they were um, uh, opposed and um, uh, buffeted on every side. But he starts that chapter by saying, we do not lose heart. We're not giving up. And he ends that chapter with these words. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The things that we see are opposition. The things that we see are troubles. The things that we see are problems and obstacles. The things that are unseen are God's purposes to plant us here and to use us for his glory and to have an enduring testimony to who he is. Not a building, but a people that meet in this building the people of the West Bowles Church, you and me. And that brings me to my final um, thought, and that's our number for today, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, uh, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's what I want to say to you. Keep on keeping on because it's not in vain. It's for God's purposes. It's for God's glory. The God who established us is the God who guides us. He is the God who holds us. He is the God who keeps us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have established this place and that you've um, blessed us to be a part of it. And we pray that um, we will remember at every juncture what we've been through, 
how you've always brought us through so that when we face trials and troubles in the future, and we will, that we'll continue to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All Let's right. give David a round of applause. Thank him for uh, everything that he has done, said. Mm. When, uh, when you work in, a, in one particular church for 23 years, you see a little bit of everything and a whole lot of everything. And this man has seen and heard uh, complaints, probably more than we'll ever imagine. He has seen and heard and been a part of more conversions than probably all of us combined. Uh, this guy has seen it all and has remained faithful to the Lord through it all and faithful to this church through it all. So we love this man. He's not going anywhere. Don't worry. We're not sending him off. Uh, he's just going to be in, in a, a tank top, a brochure, and t-shirts more often uh, and hanging out and relaxing a little bit more. So he's still around and still pastoring us and advising me and, and helping us move forward. But I hope that the points that he brought up today, I really hope they resonated with you, right? Because the story of this church is also all of our stories, that we face great opposition and that different things come up, if you want to call them obstacles, boundaries, limitations, and yet, through the Lord's strength, we can get through those things. We can press on and, and achieve far more than we could have. I'm just thinking in a week where there was a lot of negative speeches out there about how bad things are and how one individual might be able to save us from all those things, I'm thinking, no, things aren't that bad. And not one individual. It's the Lord who will get us through these different things. And that's true for this church, has been, continue to will be, will continue to be, and it's also true for you. The Lord will get you through those things. I pray that Psalm 31 through 34 are a great encouragement and blessing to you. That the God who uh, blessed and strengthened and, and made this place what it is will also do the same in your story. So thank you today. Thank you to this church. We love you guys. Have an amazing week. Don't forget your dollar in the bin on the way out. We're using that money to help families in need. Love you guys. Be strong and courageous. <laughs>